0: Good morning. Good morning. It is Wednesday, the 20th of July, 2022. I am Carmen LaBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thank you so much for the opportunity of spending this time together. Um, I want you to just take a moment to assess where you are and your surroundings and the circumstances of life. Just, just take a deep breath and consider um, the blessings. Yes. Amen. Uh, but also the challenges, the troubles, the struggles, the relationships, the doubts, the fears. My guess is if you're like me, um, you can see the evidences all around you of the fall. I mean, literally right now I have a giant tree limb across my drive driveway. So this will be evidence of the fall. Surrounded by troubles. So this is a Psalm 138, verses 7 and 8. Where in the word are you this morning? I'm in Psalm 138, verses 7 and 8. It is Faith Radio's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which you can sign up for at MyFaithRadio.com. Psalm 138, verses 7 and 8. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. There's an acknowledgement in these verses of who we are in relationship to the reality of God. There's also a declaration in here of the presence and the power and the plan of God. And so as we consider the circumstances of life. Let us never fail to consider the reality that God is and God is present. God is powerful. God is purposeful. God has a plan. God is pursuing us even now with his love and his grace. And so when it feels like we're surrounded by troubles, when it feels like the waves are lapping up over our ankles, you know, I'm thinking of Peter there, Jesus invites him, "Hey, get out of the boat and walk on the water with me." And Peter does so, right? Extraordinary act of faith in in the reality of Christ and his power, his presence, his protection. But then, you know, Peter realizes, "I'm surrounded by troubles. I'm surrounded by water. I can't walk on water. This is contrary to uh the natural world." And he starts to sink, and Jesus reaches out and takes hold of him and lifts him up. and why, why did you doubt? Why did you let the world and all of the troubles surrounding you distract you? Stay focused right here. I love it that Jesus reaches out his hand in, um, in that story, in that encounter with Peter, because that's exactly what we're praying in Psalm 138. Reach out your hand. Let the power of your right hand save me. God will stretch out his hand for you today in the places and spaces and in the moments when you need it and in the times and spaces and places when you don't even know you need it. And he does it without our knowledge. God's going to care for and protect us and provide for us in ways today that we don't even recognize. And so I'm going to thank God right now for all of the unseen ways and moments. When he does what the psalmist here prays, when he does protect us from our enemies, when he does reach out his hand, when he does extend his power to save, when he does work out his plans for our lives in his faithful love, which endures forever, God never abandons, nor does he forsake. For he made us, and we are his. There is uh, a heat wave. Where I live, likely where you live, Uh, the heat is rising. There is a heat wave across Europe that is um, really historic and horrendous. Um, And so I'm going to encourage us to, as the heat rises, I'm going to encourage us to raise prayers, right? As the heat rises, let us raise prayers prayers for relief, prayers for resources, prayers for resilience, prayers for reconciliation, prayers for redemption. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for us to offer hospitality to people who are hot. Churches across Europe are opening their doors um, 24-7 as um, cooling centers. I want you to consider that for just a moment, that the church could be a cooling center, the church not present in a community to actually turn up the heat, but the church present in a community to offer relief and resources, redemption. Hell is actually a whole lot hotter And so this is an opportunity for us to invite people to walk with God in the cool of the day, um, because heaven is literally heavenly. Hey, Pastor Daryl Crouch is going to join us next. We're going to talk about a couple of stories in the headline news related to um, folks who have been referred to as Good Samaritans. Good Samaritans. Now, you know me, whenever you see a biblical term or phrase lifted up in the public square, I'm going to want to talk about it. So that's what we're going to talk about next. What is, who is a good Samaritan by the Bible's definition of the term? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining us now, Pastor Daryl Crouch. He heads up an organization called Everyone's Wilson. Uh, Wilson is a county in Middle Tennessee, and Everyone's Wilson is an effort for everyone in Wilson County to be well-served neighbor to um, neighbor. So, Daryl, welcome back. Good morning.
1: Well, good morning. It's great to be with you, Carmen.
0: Thank you so much. There's some headlines um, in which this terminology or characterization has been used. People have been described Um, as good Samaritans. In one case, a 22-year-old man in Indiana um, who, um, I mean, pressed into a situation where a bad guy with a gun showed up at the mall and started shooting people. And this guy um, is being described as a good Samaritan who opened fire with a handgun. Um, This is the language here, a real hero of the day, the Samaritan lawfully carrying a firearm, able to stop a shooter almost as soon as it began. So he's being hailed as a good Samaritan. Um, another story about a, a good Samaritan who rescued five kids from a house fire. He was like, literally just driving by. He was passing by. He pulls over. He rushes in. He saves their lives. Um, uh, I have a story about a family who is trying to track down the Good Samaritan who saved the life of their father and grandfather in the parking garage of uh, of an airport. Um, when we hear this language, when we see this language, uh, obviously our our minds are turned toward a particular story that Jesus told. Can you tell us the story of the Good Samaritan that inspired all of these?
1: Well, sure. I love that. and uh, And it's a reminder, you know, that the Word of God is still... Uh, very alive and well, and has been pervasive in our culture. And uh, we can be encouraged by that. And that neighboring is uh, somewhat of a common grace experience that um, the Lord has given us. But this story was told by Jesus uh, in response to a question that some religious leaders uh, ask. We're really trying to trick him, uh, paint him into a corner as he as they ask him what the greatest commandment was and of course, of all the commandments to pick one is a, a they thought was a uh, really put him in a vulnerable place, and he would have to choose, and then that would give them fodder for um, attacking him. And so, uh, but he was really clear as he always uh, was, and uh, undeterred by their uh, by their motives, um, he just said two things. Listen, uh, the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, and your neighbor as yourself uh very understated and um but very but very clear and um so uh the lawyer that asked him said well that that sounds fine but but who's my neighbor and so Jesus tells a story of um of a man who was leaving Jericho um heading toward or excuse me leaving Jerusalem heading toward Jericho and uh, fell into the hands of robbers, was stripped and beat up, uh, left. uh, The language in the scripture says half dead, which I think is interesting. But um, Jesus tells of this story, and as the man is left for dead, uh, there's a priest who comes down the road uh, and passes on the other side. In the same way, a Levite is coming down the road, saw him, which again is really interesting language, both saw him, yet passed by on the other side. Uh, But a Samaritan, uh, one that is uh, seen as despised by that culture, Uh, there's uh, lots of history around that language or around that uh, terminology, but uh, not uh, seen as heroes in the culture. Um, When he saw the man, uh, he had compassion. Went over and bandaged his wounds, um, provided resources for healing and help, put him on his animal, took him to a local inn, um, something similar to a hotel uh, for us, took care of him. We don't know how, you know, we we really don't know all that was involved in that, but um, spent time with him, um, paid the innkeeper to take care of him until he could come back and uh, finish um, paying for expenses. But uh, this a Samaritan was um, was seen as the neighbor. Jesus was contrasting the priest and the Levite, uh, those who knew uh, the right thing to do, those who uh, were devout religiously uh, with a Samaritan who was uh, perhaps uh, not quite as devoted religiously as they were, but um, he was uh, heralded. As the good neighbor, and um, so it's a it's a remarkable story uh, with lots of nuance, but uh, just a powerful reminder of the kind of people that um, Jesus has called us to be and what it really means to love neighbor.
0: I want to talk more about this in just a moment. Um, it occurs to me that uh, in many cases, the Good Samaritan really just wants to do what what they feel like they were called in the moment to do, and then return to kind of the um, the shadows uh, of things. And I want to talk about that as well. I want to talk about the opportunity to be a good neighbor um, in so many circumstances right now. We're talking with Pastor Gerald Crouch. We're talking about um, the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, taught by Jesus, the way that the language is used in the culture today as we sift and sort through um, the headlines of the day and bring the mind of Christ to bear. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings
1: with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit
0: subscribe and have a great day. We're talking about the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan, um, taught by Jesus in response to what is uh, what is the first and greatest commandment? The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all that we are and all that we have um, and all that we do, and the second is like it. Jesus says, and it's to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so the follow up question then is, well who is my neighbor? In response to that, Jesus tells what we know of as the parable of the Good Samaritan. You can read it for yourself and study it more thoroughly from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Pastor Daryl Crouch is here, and this is what we're talking about today uh, in relationship to a number of headlines right now, related, uh, where, wherein people, average people, are described as good Samaritans by others. Darrell, this is evidence that there's a lot of um, biblical residue in the culture today.
1: Yeah, that's a good way or way to describe it, Carmen. There really is, and we we should be grateful for that. I, I think there are uh, uh, still lighthouses around our nation called churches who are faithfully proclaiming the gospel, and uh, over the last 225 years. Uh, there, there has been um, wonderful work that the Lord has done in our communities, and so this is a part of our culture. Uh, obviously, it's, <clears throat> it's not um, all that needs to be said or done, but, but I think it has um, an effect in the way that communities live together, uh, the way that uh, neighbors do uh, think about one another, and um, I, I think it's a reason to be optimistic about um, uh, where we go from here, and that there is at least an awareness, some framework, and certainly has deteriorated over the last few years, but some framework for people, a frame of reference for people to begin as they think about who Jesus is and and how um, he's called us to himself and what that means in the way that we um, uh, love one another.
0: So when you think about um, maybe using the way people refer to others in the culture as a good Samaritan, or even using these particular storylines, like, you know, asking someone in a conversation today, hey, you know, did you hear about the guy in Greenwood, Indiana? Or did you hear about the guy who, you know, pulled off to the side of the road and um, saved those people from that house fire? Or, hey, did you hear about that guy they're looking for who, um, you know, was a good Samaritan? In that, um, you know, parking garage at that airport and saved that guy in there. And now they're looking for him. Do you hear about those stories as an opportunity to then say, do you know where that comes from? I mean, do you know, do you know that story? Do you know the original story of the Good Samaritan? Does that feel like a natural or an unnatural thing, um, you know, for for someone to do?
1: Well, I think it can feel. Uh, I think it can be either one, obviously in the in this particular situation. But I I do think that the biblical framework that we have and the language that we use, and this isn't the only example of that, but uh, are, are opportunities to ask questions. Where do you think that comes from? Who is this Samaritan, or what is it? That's not a word we use in any other context, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. in uh, the West. And so that's a, a foreign language that a word that we use often. And that, but, but everybody knows what it is. And, um, I think it's also a great opportunity as we think about engaging the culture in some of the pressing issues of the day, like the, the pro life, um, work that we want to do. And that, that, um, good Samaritans are always referred to as those who are advocating for another person who's vulnerable. And, um, uh, it's, it's not really used, at least in my experience, in, in any other context. And so I, I think we can invite people into a conversation, uh, as you've mentioned. Where does this come from? Where Where do you? Wh- wh- how How are you aware of this language? And um, if you notice that fellow's heroic actions, he's called a good Samaritan. Where 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 do you think that comes from? And um, And just to Just to begin a conversation, I think the uh, The the other step is that it really Jesus's point was, um, go and do the same. I, I want you to look at that guy. And we don't know anything about the Good Samaritan's spiritual uh, situation. We we uh, there's no conversation that uh, the Good Samaritan and the robber have with one another that we know of. Um, th- th- there's a there's a model for us to follow as we love our neighbors, and um, as we build. Uh, life into them uh, and so I think both of those things in terms of having conversations as well as um, following his example and just actually doing what Jesus said go and do what that guy did uh, that's that's what a neighbor is that's what pleases me uh, that's what moves the needle in people's lives um, we we have uh, we're we're very good with words many of us and uh, social media allows us to say a lot of things and uh, there, there's a lot of rhetoric and obviously we love communicating. We're here today talking together, but, um, I, I found that the, and you have too, that the people that have impacted me the most are not necessarily those who have spoken into my life, although that's true, but those who have shown up and, uh, they've become proximate in my life. They have stopped and shown compassion and, uh, sacrificed for me. And so I, I think, um, the fellows that uh, jump in front of a bullet and uh, or um, act heroically in a mall. uh, I think that's a compelling uh, example for us, um, regardless of who they are for us to be who uh, Christ has called us to be.
0: Um, I think those are really helpful observations. Um, I think we have to be on the lookout. I think we have to have enough margin in our life um, to slow down and pull over and, um, and do the right thing, I think we have to prepare in advance um for bad things to happen. We have to prepare in advance to be the people who are um prepared well to respond um I think we ha- we must recognize that it's going to require a sacrifice um I do think Daryl that it 's a good opportunity for Christians to revisit the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans when you talk about it being a foreign word it 's a it's a foreign word. From a foreign time, but it is a word that is a, a really wonderful opportunity for us to dig into um, human relationships and the divisions that persist among us today uh, and Jesus brought down the dividing walls of hostility between the Jews and Samaritans um, not only in by using this story, this parable, but also by his encounter with the um, the woman of Samaria at the well and going through Samaria and spending time in Samaria. And so I think that for, for those who are listening who are concerned about maybe particularly racial divisions today, um, spending some time making a study of the relationship of the Jews and the Samaritans in the days of Jesus and how Jesus brought down the dividing walls of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans, um, that might be really good fodder for deeper conversation about this as
1: well. Absolutely. And there are all all sorts of reasons that we find ourselves divided. And the Samaritans were all not only ethnically uh, distinct from the Jews, but they um, were seen as, as less loyal, right, uh, politically. And um, they were seen as half breeds in some cases. And um, um, so there, there were a lot of reasons that uh, Jews kept away from them. And... Um, we find ourselves isolating ourselves also in our own tribes, whatever that is, ethnic or political, social, uh, economic. Uh, and Jesus, like you said, took time, created margin in his life. He was only here for on earth for three and a half years, but yet gave a, a large percentage of that to people who uh, were much like this Samaritan. And um, I think for us, it speaks to uh, if we really want to move the needle in our community and make an impact or uh, do we simply want to stay in an echo chamber uh, around people who think like us, look like us, believe like us, act like us, have the same uh, um, moral um, standards that we, we have and and so on. And uh, so Jesus modeled something, I think, that was incredibly powerful in the priority that he gave personally in his own proximity to people who uh, were much different than him.
0: If you want some um, resources on how others are directly serving their neighbors in the spirit of the Good Samaritan, Everyone's Wilson is a great place to check out and familiarize yourself with some of the things happening um, in this particular effort. Everyone's wilson.org That's also a great place to, um, to visit with and check in with Daryl. Daryl, as always, thank you so much for being here.
1: Carmen, it's great to be with you. You mentioned those cool zones that churches could do. So we had about, I don't know, six churches do that a couple of weeks ago. It just opened their their buildings. So it's just a wonderful testimony to the community that we that we really do love them.
0: Amen. Amen. And as school is starting back, um, I want to encourage people to be starting like moms in prayer groups and using your churches as um, as local resource centers for for kids and Be sure single moms have the resources that they need to get their kids dressed for school. I know that school lunches, school lunch prices are going up in places across the country. Um, And so maybe that is a way you could lean into the needs of your own community as well and really be uh, a neighbor in the spirit of um, these stories that we're talking about today. Daryl, as always, thank you so much. You guys are listening to Mornings with Carmen. we got to take a moment for Upwards with Max Lucato. what do you believe? If I were just to straight up ask you that question, how would you answer? What do you believe? I mean, the Apostles' Creed may come immediately to mind as something that you memorized along the way, but what do you believe? And why do you believe that? And how do your beliefs align with reality? And how do new experiences or circumstances, ideas or cultural developments affect your beliefs? And how do you engage with others who believe differently? If somebody Showed up, you know. We would say randomly. I would say by divine appointment, and was not a Christian. Actually, was an atheist. Actually, on a, on their own personal quest to kind of disprove the Christian faith. How would you allow God to use you in engaging that person? How would God's character and ways be revealed through you? That's really the story um, of this uh, this next guest. Guillaume Bion is author of Confessions of a French Atheist. Um, and we're going to talk next uh, about how this atheist came to faith and the characters who he met along the way. That's up next Ron on Mornings with Carmen.
1: It's like the brightest sunrise. Waiting on the other side of the darkest night, don't ever lose hope. Hold on, Emily. Maybe you just haven't seen it.
0: Just have not seen it yet. Alright, this is gonna be really fun. Guillaume Beyond is here now that rhymes with filet mignon. And uh and it's spelled similarly, except with a B. So when you're looking for him, that's what you're looking for. We are going to talk about his new book, Confessions of a French Atheist, How God Hijacked My Quest to Disprove the Christian Faith. Now, if you were to believe Publishers Weekly, this is his debut book, but it's not his debut book. He actually writes about um, other things, but he writes about metaphysics, and so Publishers Weekly apparently doesn't know that. So welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
2: Hey, good morning, Carmen. Thanks for having me.
0: Good morning. Okay. If you had a superpower and were able to apply it right now in this conversation, it would be what?
2: A superpower to apply it in conversation? Well, obviously, that would be the power to change hearts. But Publisher Weekly seems to think that my book can do some of that. So we'll see if that happens.
0: Amen. I love that. Um, I was making a, a little bit of reference there to your power to eradicate poorly spoken French among those of us who are not native French speakers.
2: Oh, yeah, but that would be really sad. I mean, mispronunciation uh, makes it exotic. Uh, My wife uh, insists on me not losing my French accent either, so I think we're all in good company and mispronouncing things.
0: Nice. I love it. Okay, so um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit of your story. And let me just go ahead and tell listeners, yes, I do have copies to give away um, today of Confessions of a French Atheist, How God Hijacked My Quest to Disprove the Christian Faith, you guys know how to enter the drawing. Text the word book to 877 um, Guillaume, tell us uh, a little bit of your story, because it's also the story of uh, other people whom God used to lead you unto himself.
2: Yeah, that's right. So it's a, it's a big story of providence, uh, essentially uh, a, a long uh, explanation of how God takes a French atheist who really hates religion and can't stand the idea of God, and uh, by bringing just the right people, the right time, the right experiences, uh, ends up making him a Christian philosopher. So this is the a, the a, a story full of travels and betrayals. I mean, some, some some really improbable things that I would never thought would bring me to faith. Uh, and then just God uh, making it a, a fun story. So this is kind of why I wrote the book too, because it, it reads like a Hollywood story. And I, I wasn't sure. I mean, I went through this, uh, and I looked back and think, wow, this this has really happened. So this is this is the story I tell in the book.
0: It does read um, uh, like a like an almost unbelievable Hollywood drama. I mean, if you had written it as a screenplay instead of uh, a personal confession. I think people would have um, some people would have rolled their eyes and said, that doesn't ever really happen. That doesn't ever really happen. But this did really happen. And uh, and this is your story. And that's what makes it so powerful. I'm wondering, um, Guillaume, if uh, if the title is a bit of a nod to Augustine.
2: Uh, Yes, I mean, confessions is both the the classical reference to saying, hey, let me tell you what happened, Uh, let me uh, share, confess things. Uh, But there's also some important uh, negative parts that I confess, right? So this is uh, not a a very, it's not a cleaned up account of uh, here me getting my life back together uh there's some really uh, authentic and honest confessions of things that i've done wrong and some things that hopefully I've did right uh, but uh the, the the whole thing is, is an account of here 's how in the messiness of life uh, God did reach out and bring the relevance of the gospel to bear on my life so um it does it does point to uh the classical confession stories uh and hopefully with a French twist in there.
0: <laughs> the whole thing has a French twist. It's so um it's so great. In fact, it could be called The French Twist: The Confessions of uh, a Former French Atheist. And now this uh, incredible ministry um of Christian apologetics and philosophy. And so um thank you for thank you for this book, but thank you for what you do day in and day out in terms of bearing very public compelling witness. To the reality of who Christ is and His transforming power, I'd love for you to um, share a little bit from the book about the role of some other people. So um, you can you can tell Vanessa's story or the storyline there, or maybe Robert Baxter. Um, t- talk about talk about how God used other Christians to um, open your eyes and, and move you along in this journey.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the the initial impetus for me to even consider the claims of Christianity was uh, meeting this uh, woman on the other side of the world uh, during a vacation uh, in the Caribbean, uh, where a a random hitchhiking uh, event (laughs) led me to uh, start a long distance relationship with this American Christian. And at the time, uh, the fact that she claimed to believe in God was extremely problematic for me. Uh, I did not want anything to do with religion. And also, she believes that uh, there should be abstinence before marriage, which was another absolutely insane idea by my lights at the time. And I was confronted with uh, having to explain to her why her uh, beliefs made no sense and why we should be happy together without any sense of religion. So that was the initial impetus uh, that launched me onto thinking a little bit about Christianity and the claims that she was making. And that led me to uh, picking up a Bible and trying to figure out things for myself. And it was a first first mistake. I started reading the New Testament. <laughs> um, and and I, uh, I really was confronted by the person of Jesus. As I raised, read the, the pages of the Gospels, uh, I expected it to be boring, like I remembered from my uh, very early childhood going to church um and uh, it didn't taste like that at all I was compelled by the character of Jesus who I thought was extremely smart very witty had always the right comebacks and navigated through some tough conversations and uh, so I I was confronted by the person of Jesus thinking okay I'm going to have to give an account I'm going to have to think uh, who do I think that uh, this Jesus is uh, and also the uh, the second piece is that uh, I mean, again, sets of very improbable circumstances. At the time, I was playing volleyball in National League. So every weekend, I would travel the country to play the the games. uh, And then uh, a few weeks into my investigation of Christianity, I had an unexplained injury. Um, My shoulder for the spiking arm, for the dominant arm, uh, started to fail me uh, 10 minutes into every practice. It would just be inflamed, and I couldn't play. And so I was against my will off of volleyball courts. uh, And then on the, the first Sunday morning, without a volleyball game, I decided... Since I've been looking into Christianity and investigating what those Christians believe, I might as well go and see them and see what they do on the Sunday morning. And so I went to a church uh, in Paris um, where I I just wanted to see, okay, what those uh, so-called evangelical Christians do when they get together. And the whole experience was extremely awkward. um, But this is where I've uh, met yes, Robert Baxter, who is the pastor of that church. Um, So here again, there's a story told in my book of just uh, how incredible the experience was because I was very hostile. I was uh, self-conscious about being there. I thought that being in a church itself was an intellectual crime. Um, And so I I just sat down, tried to not connect with anybody. And when I tried to escape the church at the end, okay, I've seen what I wanted to see. Uh, when I was trying to uh, leave the church, I opened the door and uh, I was interrupted in my tracks by a big blast of chills in my stomach going all the way up into my chest and grabbing me by the throat. And, and I was frozen in my escape. And uh, this is where I hurt myself thinking, this is ridiculous. I have to figure this out. And so I turned around and I, ent- I went straight to the head pastor and I introduced myself. And uh, this is what began a, a very long friendship with this pastor, Robert, uh, who eventually uh, guided me through answering my intellectual questions, uh, trying to explain the Christian faith to me and, and led me to Christ eventually. So um, that, uh, the, the, that very consistent witness and uh, long conversations uh, with Robert are an essential part of answering at least my intellectual questions. And then on the heels of that, obviously, there was lots of uh, experiential uh, understanding of the gospel that also met my experience and changed my life. So that's that's a bit how some God has used some other uh, Christians to to witness and to consistently lead me to the life changing truth of the gospel.
0: It is um, this is wonderful. It's wonderful to meet you. Uh, It's wonderful to hear your testimony and your story. It is so encouraging. I I guarantee you this. It is so encouraging to everyone listening because, um, you know, we have read, we remember evidence that demands a verdict from Josh McDowell from a prior generation. And we certainly um, know the testimony of our friendly Strobel. um, And your testimony is like that. Uh, It is it is like C.S. Lewis in terms of um, a very, very, thoughtful, well-educated person with lots of experiences in the world coming face to face with the reality of God and his grace in Jesus Christ. And it is compelling. He is attractive. He is uh, pursuing people right now who think they have it all, much like you thought you had it all um, and didn't really know. I mean, you clearly didn't know that you were missing the most essential um, relationship you'd ever have. Um, So I want to talk more about your story. But I also want to remind listeners that, yep, I got books to give away, and now I know you, uh, your appetite is whetted for them. So you can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing for the copies of Confessions of a French Atheist, How God Hijacked My Quest to Disprove the Christian Faith. And we'll be back in just a moment with Guillaume Bignon. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen. All available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Does God still pursue people today? Is God pursuing you? Have you sought to uh, disprove the Christian faith? Have you set, uh, set your teeth against, uh, against God? And, you know, you're, you're trying very hard to grind down the evidence for him. Well, that, that's pretty much the, uh, the way this conversation started in the life of um, Guillaume Bignon. Uh, he is the author of Confessions of a French Atheist. He he definitely sought to disprove the claims of the Christian faith um, and is now a Christian philosopher and apologist for the faith. Um, Guillaume, I'm wondering if you can fast forward a little bit, talk about some of the things maybe you learned along the way, um, because meeting your wife is uh, a part of this conversation. You've had lots of divine appointments.
2: Yes, that's right. I mean, there's a lot of uh, improbable circumstances throughout the, the conversion story, first to break down my defenses uh, and to bring me to faith, uh, but also all throughout. Uh, I mean, the the, <laughs> the the stories of divine providence have not stopped after I became a Christian. Although Robert, the pastor who led me to Christ, uh, jokingly said sometimes that he he wishes that I'd never converted because he really enjoyed this conversation. Um, but the, the the various stories of God's providence and goodness in my life have, have been seen afterwards. Uh, indeed, uh, in the move to the United States, lots of improbabilities to be overcome as well. Uh, with the, the visa was blocked for a long time until I finally took the step to uh, start sharing my faith and talk to my parents about my conversion. And then the visa was granted the very next day uh, so stories of very improbable circumstances like this that speak of god's current design in my story uh and then uh yeah so i won't spoil all the detail of the story but so moved to the us uh the relationship with vanessa went south but i later on uh met my wife uh katherine was a wonderful uh, wonderful american woman that I, I i married after that um and there again, uh, lots of improb- in, uh, improbabilities overcome by God's providence, uh, making me feel every step of the way that I was following His will. So this is uh, this is an encouragement that uh, from the hostility towards the, the uh, acceptance of the Christian faith towards walking daily with God, that uh, there's a, a good sense of His providence and and His goodness in my life.
0: So for those who are listening right now, Guillaume, I'm wondering, um, you know, when you think about. Uh... The audience for this book, um I feel like this is a very good book to share, maybe even read together with people who think they have everything but are missing how God is pursuing them i'm also um I'm also thinking it's a really good book for devoted Christians to read with nominal Christians. I'm trying to find a nice way to say that because there are an awful lot of people in America who, if they have to check out off a box you know, what, uh, what is your faith? They're going to check off the Christian box, but Christ is a put on for them. It's not actually who they are. Can you, can you talk about who you feel like maybe is the primary and even secondary audience for the book?
2: Yeah, there's a number of people who can be really benefiting from the, the book. I, I try to write it in such a way that I address both the uh, emotions and the intellect. Uh, and so there's a bit of, of both of those things that I think are essential components of a good Christian faith, that uh, there is a, an experiential aspect to following God and embracing the gospel Uh, so this is one piece where you know i speak of uh, nominal christians who might just check that box but don't have a good grasp of the gospel and have not been uh, changed in their hearts by the good news that we are saved by faith and not by works that jesus on the cross paid the penalty for our sins and that as a result Eternal life is obtained for us not by good works, not by a judgment of our own righteous deeds, but purely by the fact that we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus. This uh, basic summary of the good news of Christ is something I had never heard until I was 25. And so the encounter and discovery of this message was extremely transformative in my own experience. Uh, and has been a very strong reality for my Christian life. So that explanation of how that good news hit me uh, is probably a good uh, explanation for someone who hasn't similarly been hit yet uh, to to fully embrace the gospel and understand its life-changing power. As far as uh, the uh, atheist readers as well, I, I mean, I explained some of the intellectual objections that I had uh, as an atheist myself. Uh, some of the real concerns I had about the Christian faith and how I came to overcome that to uh, understand the appropriate responses to that and I explained this a bit in, in conversation with some of the famous French atheist philosophers so uh, that's giving a little bit of an exotic t- uh, taste to the book. Uh, if you've read a lot of apologetics uh, this one comes with a bit of a French accent uh, engaging with Voltaire <laughs> and Jean-Paul, Jean-Paul Sartre and Michel Onfray so the, the French voices uh, uh, on the atheist side uh, to engage and take their ideas ideas seriously uh, and give the, what I take to be the correct Christian answers.
0: For those of us who look back over the course of history and think of think that many of the problems we face today in our culture are rooted in French philosophy, it is helpful to have you.
2: Yeah, that's funny. So obviously my, my being French doesn't give me a special authority to have the truth in response to that, but it does bring a, a bit of a, a you know, culturally engaging uh, conversation partner uh, so that uh, I I can pass a little bit those French voices and say, hey, hey, just because you're French, uh, you don't don't have to be an atheist. uh, Look, here's what happens.
0: Okay. So is your job to think and to write books and to talk to people?
2: So that's one of my jobs. Uh, I would with it. (laughs) I have a number of full time jobs, really. Uh, So I'm I'm still an engineer uh, by training. This was my uh, my vocation before I became a Christian and all these events happen and I still engage in that. So I'm a software engineering manager. uh, And that's what I do during the day. I'm also a father of five young children. (laughs) That's another very full time occupation. And uh, obviously, uh, evenings, mornings and weekends, uh, I have uh, in uh, whatever time I can spare, I do engage in research, writing, uh, speaking at conferences, uh, Uh, And uh, lecturing. I was uh, teaching in college a little bit in New Jersey, but uh, after COVID and our move, uh, uh, that's not something I've pursued more. But there's a number of avenues in which I can engage with my uh, Christian research and writing and and speaking.
0: So um, where do you live now? So uh,
2: I now live in Virginia, which is actually not ah. a part in the book. This is a very recent development. Uh, so the book stops uh, with uh, my uh, my wedding and uh, living in <laughs> New York. Uh, but yeah, my, my wife is from Virginia and uh, with five young children. Uh, we, we came to our senses and decided living in New York was not the best thing with five young children. And so we we moved to Virginia, uh, where uh, we live in the woods. Uh, I can work on remote uh, for a company in California. So it's a wonderful life setting that we have now, and I think a much better future to offer our kids.
0: That is wonderful. That I love that, and um, and we love knowing you know your context and where you are. Um, and so thank you for sharing um, for sharing with us in that way. What a delight to make your acquaintance. I um, I hope you'll come back and talk with us again.
2: Yeah, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. Um, if you want to read um, Christian apologetics and Christian philosophy with a French accent, this is uh, this is where you need to go. And we are giving away uh, a handful of copies today of Confessions of a French Atheist, How God Hijacked My Quest to Disprove the Christian Faith. You can text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. Guillaume Bignon, thank you so much for joining us today. What a delight.
2: Oh, thanks so much for having me. In um, many uh, wonderful,
0: absolutely, just delightful. All right, friends, uh, we're going to take a, a very, very brief break, and then we'll be right back. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio.
1: And now-
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. What a delight. What a total delight. Um, it's fun to get to know people um, whom God is drawing unto himself. And it's just, I mean, right? It's just so fun um, when we get to see the evidence of um, of the way God is working in this generation. And so, um, wow, I don't know about you, but I'm now really excited about following and, and pursuing um, Guillaume Bignon as he continues to reflect and write and God continues to use his testimony to draw others unto himself. It's just it thrills my heart. It thrills my heart. What's your story? How um, did God woo you? How did God pursue you? Do you remember? Do you even remember before you believed? Because that testimony um, has power to bring others to faith.